Welcome back to the Sportsbeat KC Podcast. This is Jesse Newell, KUP reporter for the Kansas City Star. I'm joined again this week by CJ Moore of Bleach Report. CJ, how you doing? Right, Jesse. What's going on, man? Not too much. Not too much. The weather's getting nicer. Uh, it's obviously baseball season, but also kind of recruiting season for KU. Still in the mix for Duke point guard Derek Thornton. He's set to visit this week. And I uh, have a guest to talk about both him and recruiting ESPN's Jeff Borzella will have on later in the show. I know he's a close buddy of yours and um, talk a little bit about KU this class and the next class and also uh, the transfer epidemic, if you will. So, um, CJ, have you known Jeff for a while? Kind of what's the uh, insight with him and, and how he made up to ESPN? Yeah, you know, Je- Jeff's been a guy that's been around college basketball for a while. Started out at CBS Sports. Um, he was kind of a colleague of mine there while I had a brief stint at, at CBS and uh, got to know him. You know, through through basically being out on the recruiting trail and and at Final Fours, and just a, just a really good dude, probably knows the transfer market better than anyone out there because he's the guy when a player is transferring, either the coach or the AAU coach or the player is reaching out to him and, and letting him know he's he's kind of become the the transfer guru and probably knows that topic as well as anyone, and then and really is smart as far as you know talking about recruiting and and knows what's going on. It has a good feel for uh, the the current situation for for Kansas and and, and basically any school nationally. So I think we'll, people will be interested to hear what he has to say. Yeah, he has an interesting thought process on Derek Thornton here, where he might attend to. And then I thought he had some great thoughts too coming up on Josh Jackson as well and the type of type of player that Kansas is going to get with him. Before we get started though, let's talk about the the big news of the week. Josh Jackson, it is official for for KU. He signs with the Jayhawks as national letter of intent. You know, no real big drama here. Obviously, he committed a couple weeks ago, but I think he wanted to have his mom come from Michigan to California to be there with him when he signed and kind of have that all together. So uh, he's part of the class now. And, CJ, I always find it fascinating, the quotes from Bill Self, because, uh, you know, this is when he can first officially talk about Josh Jackson, the recruit, once they sign. And let me just kind of read off the the, the release here. Uh, Josh has been a guy so respected in all high school circles the last four years. He is probably as highly thought of as any recent player to come out of high school because of his competitive nature. And then he also goes on, um, Bill Self goes on to talk about, we feel his impact on our program next year will be as much as any freshman will have on any college program. He's extremely athletic, but more importantly, extremely competitive. Uh, do you agree with Self? Do you think he's going to have, Josh Jackson will have as big of an impact at KU as any freshman at any program across the nation next year? Now, Jesse, I'm sure what you're getting to because I, I know uh, that the game we're about to play is is there's usually a little bit of hyperbole in these in these quotes that that come out. But I, I will say, um, you know, obviously Josh Jackson is, is pretty much anybody you talk to is 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 thinks very highly of him. And and I, I've been interested. In last week, I've had the chance to talk to a couple of NBA scouts about him um, for a project I'm, I'm doing over at Bleacher Report. And and one thing that that they say is. Kind of what Self says is he's about as ready as any of these freshmen coming in to come in, to come in and contribute just because he understands and this is something that Bill Self's going to love and KU fans are going to love he understands the effort that it's going to take at, at that level and I think he's going to be a kid that comes in and plays really hard and the kid Josh is probably compared with the most is Duke's Jason Tatum and and when you talk to scouts of, about those two they think that maybe Tatum will have the higher ceiling and might be the better NBA player eventually. But right now, Jackson is better just because he, of, you know, understanding this is how the effort that I need to play at, and and he's really going to come in and, and 
people think he's going to have an impact right away. So I, I think Self's maybe not far off in, in his assessment. Yeah, and we talked about this earlier. I I don't know if it's hyperbole. It might be a little hyperbole, but I think you get this guy, you get him signed in, you have to say the right things in the release. And so yeah. it's just everybody's excited. You see the same thing with the NFL draft where John Gruden says something nice about every player who comes off the board, and so does Mel Kuyper. And so we see this from Bill Self in these quotes. So I'm kind of stealing a game from Effectively Wild, which is one of my favorite baseball podcasts from Ben Lindbergh and Sam Miller, where uh, they pull out the baseball prospectus annual and they read – um, a guy's bio from that, and then the other guy tries to guess who the player is that uh, the person is talking about. So I went back here through history since Bill Self started at KU, and I pulled out some of the quotes from Bill Self from guys when uh, they signed with Kansas. When they officially had, so like this Josh Jackson day, when he officially signed with Kansas, Bill Self had a comment. What were his comments at the time about these certain players? So I, I threw you one yesterday over email, just kind of and as an example of what we're going to do here. Uh, here was the Bill Self quote. We think he will be an immediate and major contributor for us. Contributor for us. I really feel he could be a sleeper that everybody will say, where did you get him a couple of years from now? In a similar way they did the Morris Twins. He's very young basketball-wise. He's a sponge and wants to learn. I really think he's going to get good fast. So who was Bill Self talking about? And actually, you got this one right. Who, who was Bill Self talking about for all those people at home? Jamari Trailer. Jamari Trailer, an immediate and, and and major contributor for us, and it uh, could be a sleeper that everybody will say, where did you get him a couple years from now? So uh, anyway, it's it's kind of fascinating to hear what Bill Self said at the time about these guys. So I'm gonna, I took a random sampling here. I'm just going to kind of scroll up and down, and folks can play along here at home with their podcast. Can you name the KU player that Bill Self is talking about? Let's see if I can start. I don't know if I'm going to start easy or hard. I'm just going to give you one. Here we go. I'm excited about this game. I'm scared, though, that I'm just going to get that first one and I'm not going to get it. Okay, well, <laughs> here we go. This is a big day for our basketball program, Self said. We felt like losing the caliber of players we lost off last year's team, but we really needed to hit a home run from a talent standpoint in the spring signing, and we've done that with this player. He's a point guard that can score. He's a playmaker. He can be a great facilitator and also a great finisher himself. We've been really fortunate to have really good guards here. But certainly he is the most highly recruited guard that we have signed since we have been at Kansas. Who is that player? Well, you know, at first I was thinking this is somebody following the national title team because of, uh, you know, what they had then. But the the end part with highest point guard, I'm going to have to go with Josh Selby. Josh Selby is correct. I thought you might go on the Sharon Collins route because of the highest recruited point guard, but that is that is Josh Selby. Um, exactly right. They needed to hit a home run from a, from a talent standpoint and the most highly recruited guard that KU had signed since he's been there. So you are now two for two on this. Woo! Let's see if we can uh, keep going. Let me pull out another random one. Here we go. He comes as no major surprise because he's been committed for quite some time. I think he's one of the best guards we have recruited since we've been here. He can score. He's sneaky athletic and can play the one and the two and will be a great combo guard in our system. Ooh. A little bit tougher. I'm going to go with uh, Mario Chalmers. Mario Chalmers, good guess. That's not correct. You want to go first? thing? He comes as no major surprise because he's been committed for quite some time. I think he is one of the best guards we've recruited since we've been here. He can score. He's sneaky athletic and can play the one and the two and will be a great combo guard in our system. This one's a little bit vague. Yeah. Um, I want to say... 
committed uh, for quite some time is the biggest um, clue in that one. Yeah, that that is a that is a big clue, but you know, he was committed memory. since his sophomore year. If that helps you, Ooh, committed since his sophomore year. I wanted to say Sharon, but I don't think he was committed that long. Nope, nope. Um, Tyrell Reed, you're very close. Connor Frankamp is the uh, correct answer. Frankamp. Wow. Wow, read that quote again. Let's let's hear that one more time. He comes as no major surprise because he's been committed for quite some time. I think he's one of the best guards we've recruited since we've been here. He can score, he's sneaky athletic, and can play the one and the two and will be a great combo guard in our system. Now, now that just tells you right there. <laughs> <laughs> one of the best guards they've recruited. You know, I, to, to, to be fair to, to Connor Frank Camp, I think as a high school player, he did kill it. And uh, he, he he looked to be pretty good when when you watched him against guys that at the high school level. But man, yeah, that 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 now looking back, that definitely seems to be a little hyperbole. Let's go with another one here. This is uh, all right. Here we go from Bill Self. He is a young man we recruited longer than anyone else. Ever since we came to Kansas, he has been a target, and we feel very fortunate to get him to come to our program. We feel like we know him and his family very well. We have watched him play so much and have watched his development over time. He is a tall guard who is an excellent defender, and the transition should be easier for him, having played in the high school program that he did. Ooh, okay, so he comes from a respected program. It's got to be a guy kind of early on. At first I was thinking Cole Aldridge, but then you said guard. Um, it's tall guard. And and I want to say Brandon Rush, but you said high school program that's respected. I don't, I don't know that Rush was really playing for a uh, – it's not Rush, right? Not Rush. He wasn't playing for a high school pro. Um, I wonder. Oh, okay, okay. I think I got this. Uh, Micah Downs. Micah Downs is not correct. Oh, a little bit later. That was a good guess, though. A little bit later. Okay, okay. Recruited bit. him longer than anyone else. He has been a target since they came to Kansas. Yeah. So think. So maybe he's a local kid. Think. Think. Recruit a long time. Travis Relaford. Travis Relaford, correct. Very good. So a second guess, not too bad on that one. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's do a couple more of these. I think uh, hopefully people are playing along here at home with this. And, and notice he's given some love to the high school, which is a local high school. Exactly, so, playing so. the game. A lot of these releases you kind of have to read between the lines because a lot of times, oh, they credit the parent, they credit the high school coach. All these things you have to do in recruiting to build those ties to uh, keep them coming, keep the pipeline coming for future years. We are very appreciative of his loyalty to Kansas and are excited about him being a Jayhawk. He has been committed to Kansas for more than a year and has visited campus many times. Our fans should be very excited about a player of his ability and his love for this university. He will be an excellent addition to our front court. He has terrific size and a very high ceiling for his future. He is a true five man that is very skilled. We believe he can anchor our play on both ends of the court. All right, I'm going to go Cole, Cole Aldridge. Cole Aldridge, you got that one right off the bat. Yep. Here, I need like an applause sort of uh, <laughs> sort of sound drop. Maybe I can do that. Maybe, maybe I can do that in future weeks. Yeah. Let's get a little bit. Uh, let's go with this one. Yeah, that was that was too easy. I got to challenge you now. <laughs> he is a point guard who can really shoot the basketball. His absence from competition from basketball for four years will be a transition for him. But he has always kept a ball in his hands over that period of time. His mentality, strength, knowledge, and skill set should immediately impact our program and make us a better team. Our biggest concern presently is for him to get 100% healthy. Ah, uh, easy, easy, easy. Oh, that was an easier one. Okay, Henry, CJ Henry C. J. is Henry. correct. Yes. Yeah, the absence from basketball that gave it. 
at, at first I was like, how? Who would take? Then 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 it clicked. Absence from basketball. So right. yeah, I, I have to go back and and count what you are here. So uh, pretty good so far. Okay, let's go with this one. We are obviously excited to receive this word from someone of his ability this late in the recruiting process. He's a very versatile perimeter player that has excellent ball handling skills. His size and athletic ability will allow him to defend on the perimeter. We feel the addition of him will help make this young but talented team even more versatile this season. He comes from a great basketball family that has experienced success at the highest level. He and his family's commitment to going to school and representing the University of Kansas should speak volumes to our fan base. I certainly appreciate the confidence he and his family have shown throughout this brief but very busy recruiting process. Name that Jayhawk. Oh, man, that was a, that was a mouthful. I, I want to – let me put out a guess there, then I might have you read it one more time. Brady Morningstar? Brady Morningstar is incorrect. Let me read it one more time. We are obviously excited to receive this word from someone of his ability this late in the recruiting process. He is a very versatile perimeter player that has excellent ball handling skills. His size and athletic ability will allow him to defend on the perimeter. We feel the addition of him will help make this young but talented team even more versatile this season. He comes from a great basketball family that has experienced success at the highest level. He and his family's commitment to going to school and representing the University of Kansas should uh, speak volumes to our fan Z- base. Xavier, Xavier Henry. Not correct. Not correct. Okay, I certainly appreciate the confidence he and his family has shown throughout this brief but very busy recruiting process. The, the family thing is throwing me off, and then the late in the game, that, that's why I was thinking Xavier. But I'm going to go. Here's my last guess. If I don't get this one, you, you <laughs> got you to gotta tell me. Yeah. Some, some people are screaming at their podcast right now, so go ahead. Merv, Merv Lindsay. Merv Lindsay, no. No, no, no. <sighs> I th- oh, I, hold on, hold on, hold on. Here, I got it. Brandon Rush. Brandon Rush. Brandon Rush is correct. I was going to say the, the what probably threw you off is the excellent ball handling skills could have yeah, you know right. could have totally thrown because you're thinking okay you know local kid late signee the, the family chose the school why would that be a big deal but uh, it would be a big deal for Brandon Rush but the excellent ball handling skills might have been um, oh that that was a bad one I should have had that <laughs> okay let's get let's do a couple more of these this is fun um <laughs> let's let's okay he is an athletic quick twitched pro- prototypical power forward. His offensive game is one that is expanding. He has played for one of the very best high school programs in the country at St. Pat's. Last year they finished number two in the country, and this year they have a chance to be one of the best again. He will give us an element of toughness, and his defensive rebounding will be something we look to early in his career. I gave you a big hint in there in the middle. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully you can get it from that. I was thinking Thomas Robinson at first, but he went to Brewster. Um. Let's see. It's, uh, so, did, did one of the more did the Morris twins go to St. Pat's? All right. So, so uh, read read it one more time. He is an athletic, quick twitch, prototypical power forward. His offensive game is one that is expanding. He has played for one of the very best high school basketball programs in the country at St. Pat's. Last year, they finished number two in the country, and this year, they have a chance to be one of the best again. He will give us an element of toughness, and his defensive rebounding will be something we look forward to early in his career. And Saint, the St. Saint Pat's parts throw me off because I can't remember what kid went to St. Pat's. I'm going to say it's one of them, but I feel like he talked about the Morris Twins collectively, so it can't be a Morris Twin. St. Pat's is in New Jersey, right? Yes. Yeah, golly. Big guy from New Jersey. This is this is one people are like <laughs> screaming, screaming at their uh, computers or whatever, their cell phones. Maybe not. Um Big guy from St. Pat's. 
You're not going to get it. I'm not going to get it. Is it give, give me give me an uh give me a year, not year, but like a window of years. Same class as Tyshawn Taylor. Same class as Tyshawn Taylor. Okay. So it is um golly. The, one of the Morris twins then, right? Marcus Morris? Quintrell Thomas. Oh, Quintrell Thomas. <laughs> Gosh. I'm like, uh, I pulled up I pulled up Ken Palm for a second to try to go to that 2000. Oh, you're trying to cheat. I tried to cheat, yeah. And and he's not even on here. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's, there's Quintrell Thomas. That, that's, for that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Okay, a couple more for you. He is one of the most skilled six foot seven guys in the country. He can shoot it. He can put it down. He's got good vision. He's a guy that should have a smooth transition from high school to college, in large part because he is a big guard. He's not a guy that has been playing inside a lot. Name that Jayhawk. All right, read, read it one more time. He is one of the most skilled six foot seven big guys in the country. He can shoot it. He can put it down. He's got good vision. He's a guy that should have a smooth transition from high school to college, in large part because he is a big guard. He's not a guy that has been playing inside a lot. So he says big guy, and then says it's like he's he's contradicting himself inside this quote. <laughs> um, he's a big guard, not a big guy. He's a big guard, but he's a guy that's guard. not been playing inside as a big guard. He's been playing guard at the high school level. Oh, okay, six seven. Uh, was Henry that tall? Xavier? Is that your guess? Um, hold on, hold on. Let's see. Um, six seven guard, who would have played outside in high school. Um, yeah, I'll go with Henry. Brandon Green. Oh, <laughs> oh man, Brandon Green. That makes sense. All right, all right, damn. All right, let's get two more, and then we will get to our interview with Jeff Barzello and get some recruiting talk out there for folks. It has been our focus and our top recruiting priority to try to sign an inside presence and a rim protector to go along with our returning players. We feel like we've been able to sign a premier big man that has as much upside as any big we've recruited in recent memory. He reminds me so much of Thomas Robinson late in Thomas's college career. He has a great motor. He runs as well as any big guy that we've had and certainly has a knack for finding the ball. He'll bring a toughness and aggressiveness to our program. We anticipate his transition to college to be very seamless also. Cliff Alexander. Good job. Incorrect. Oh, Shaq Diallo. <laughs> Shaq Diallo is right. <laughs> it is funny because you're reading that, you're thinking this could be one of two guys right here. Yeah, it, could yeah be, it was. It could be one or the other. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so the lesson to KU fans, always be scared if you mention Thomas Robinson, <laughs> I guess. All right, one more. Um, let's go with... Oh man, there's still so many. We'll have to probably pick this up again next week because there's still so many, so many that have not gone on yet. So many gems. So many gems. Okay. Right now, he is not a true point guard. He is a scoring, fast, active guard. He can play point B as more of a combo than a point. We think his potential is very high, and he has a chance to be a terrific player. Athletically, he will have very few equals. Name that Jayhawk. Frank Mason is incorrect, even though, wow, I'm reading this. That sounds almost exactly like Frank that Mason. That sounds like Frank Mason, doesn't it? Um, read that one more time. Right now, he's not a true point guard. He's a scoring, fast, active guard. 
He can play point, but is more of a combo than a point. We think his potential is very high, and he has a chance to be a terrific player. Athletically, he will have very few equals. I think the last line is... Strong Collins? Incorrect. The last line, the athletically, he will have very few equals. Uh, I think what is your best hint based on what he did at the McDonald's game and what he could do athletically? Oh, shoot. What he did at the McDonald's game. And he did end up being a true point guard, or a point guard for KU, I should say. Um what he did at the McDonald's game. Shoot. Um, so it's a real athletic dude. McDonald's game slash YouTube. I guess I should go with that. Um, like my my brain's freezing up now. Let's see. Uh, who like won a dunk contest? It was a KU kid. Um, you say he's a combo guard? Combo guard played point for KU. Started at point guard. There were no combos to go with him. Mar- it wasn't Mar- Mar- not Mario Chalmers. Nope. No. Um, I said Sharon. I feel like Sharon didn't Sharon do pretty well in a dunk contest. He did, but this is not Sharon. This is not Sharon. And in fact, is Elijah Johnson. Ah, uh, Elijah Johnson. Very athletic. Ah, uh, there you go. Elijah Johnson was McDonald's All American. He was correct. I'm, I might have to search the old Googles now, but maybe. Yeah, maybe. That's, I, I, I think he he was for sure. Yeah, I don't remember him do, killing it in the uh, dunk contest. He, I just remember the between the legs dunk that was like a YouTube sensation. Um, but that makes sense. That makes sense, Elijah Johnson. But maybe he wasn't on McDonald's All American. I guess. Although you that that really should. I mean, that really should have been Frank Mason's. Yeah, it really, it really should have been. I mean, you basically to a T described him in that one. So anyway, fascinating. We'll, we'll pick this up another week when it's a little bit slower, but uh, just to let you know, that is the Bill Self quote machine. And again, there are some things that have to be said after these signings to try to get you in good graces with the family, with the player, and you can't come out and basically say, hey, this guy is terrible either, but uh, it is interesting to read those comments and we make a big deal of those comments, but then also look back in history and say, yeah, some of those were pretty true and some of those eh, might have been a little bit on the... Uh, uh, nice side, if you will. All right, all right, Jesse. If we play that game with Bill Self, do you think he scores better than I scored? Ah, uh, you know, since he quote said it, I would hope so, but maybe not. I would say he'd probably get about seventy five percent of them right. And, yeah, uh, yeah. I think, I think he'd probably miss a couple. I mean, it's hard to remember all those. All the now that they've had, you know, this coaching staff's been here for a while. It's hard to remember all those guys. So I, I, he he's definitely would have missed. He would have missed some. Yeah, and hit me up on Twitter, too, at Jesse Newell. Let me know how you did on the quiz and how many you got instead of CJ. We can see if you did better than CJ on this quiz. And like I said, might pick it up in a future week. Without further ado, let's, let's get to our interview with Jeff Borzello of ESPN.com, uh, lead recruiting analyst or one of the lead recruiting analysts for them. Talk to him about KU signees, Josh Jackson, transfers, everything above. Uh, talking to Jeff Borzello and about KU and the future recruiting classes they could have. Hold on. After a quick break, we'll join Jeff. All right, Jesse and I are now joined by ESPN.com recruiting analyst Jeff Borzello. Jeff, would that be a accurate title, recruiting analyst? Yeah, that's fine. I'll, I'll allow that one. <laughs> Jeff has uh, probably the best hair game in college basketball <laughs> reporting, and uh, not many people know this, but he, he can play a little ball. I, I would call him a, uh, a poor man's uh, Sharon Collins. Jeff, are you, are yeah, that's you comfortable the, the, with that that's, I was once compared to a right-handed Matt Carlino, 
And, uh, you know, Toronto Collins had a better college career, but uh, I don't know if I love the body type comparison, so... <laughs> I might have to stick. I might have to stick with Carlino. We'll, we'll go with we'll go with peak Sharon Collins with that one. Yeah, way, yeah, way back in the day. College Sharon Collins. Yeah, college, college Sharon Collins. I'll I'll live with. <laughs> All right. Well, we've we've got Jeff on because obviously the transferring market is of interest to KU fans right now because Duke point guard or former Duke point guard Derek Thornton is a guy KU's recruiting. Um, Jeff, first of all, what do you think of of the player that maybe Derek Thornton will be? here in a year or so when he's eligible? Well, coming out of high school, I thought he was, you know, an elite-level point guard for that class, that he was a five-star player. Uh, you know, obviously, that didn't really translate at Duke, but I think the thing we have to remember is that, you know, he was expected to be a, a, a 2016 point guard, and, you know, there was even some talk that if he reclassified, which he did, he was going to take a redshirt year. Um, you know, Duke ended up needing him uh, because they didn't really have any other point guards, and so he didn't really get that either final year of high school or, you know, first sort of development year of college. He was sort of thrown right into the fire. And, um, you know, his minutes were uneven. His role kept changing. So I don't know if he ever really got comfortable uh, at the college level. So I think we're going to see a different Derek Thornton uh, when he's eligible, you know, in around 18 months or, or so. Um, I still think he, he's super talented. I think he's good at both ends of the floor. He's quick. Um, you know, his jump shot's not great. But, you know, when you have a year off, that can improve. I think he's a good defender. So I think whichever team gets them, you know, I think they're going to get a guy that that is going to be, you know, of the same caliber caliber as a as a you know five star top twenty five point guard they might get in twenty seventeen class. And uh, you know, the the schools that are involved kind of take us through what what their sales pitch is um, to Thornton. Well, for a lot of them, you know, you know, Kansas, USC, Washington, Miami, um, a lot of it is just you know you can come in. We need a point guard in you know, in the 2017-2018 season, and you can come in, you're going to be playing 30, 35 minutes a game. Uh, your role is not going to fluctuate like it, like it did at Duke. And, um, you know, so I think that's that's sort of the biggest thing, and I think that's what, you know, the biggest thing for Thornton is that he can come in and, and play a huge role and, and sort of play in an offense that suits him well. Um, and, and so, I mean, for USC, it's a little bit different. For Washington, it's a little bit different because you can say, Hey, come back to the West Coast. You're closer to home. Your your family can see you more. Um, so for those two schools, it it it's you know they they have a little bit of a different angle, but all four are really pitching you know immediate playing time. Um, you know the the 2017 class of point guards isn't great at the top, so you know a lot of these guys just want to get you know sort of get that high level point guard done uh, right away. And th- that brings me something. You know, it's it's my belief that landing a guy like Thornton. Um, for a KU would would pay off more than maybe grabbing a five star freshman point guard in that 2017 class, just because of the fact that you, you have him who was once a five star guy is he's going to be a third year college player. You've still got three years of eligibility. You know he's he's going to be way more ready to, to make an impact that 2000 well, 2017 2018 season than, than a freshman. Are you with me on that? Yeah, I would agree with that, especially because, you know, like I said, the 2017 class of point guards isn't great. I mean, Trevon Duval and Trey Young are very good. Um, you know, and there have been guys that have stepped up this spring. But at the same time, like you said, you know, Derek Thornton's going to be a third-year college player. And we've already so- sort of seen what the floor is for him. And it's it's not bad. I mean, you know, yeah. obviously he didn't come in and, and average 15-6. But, you know, he was a, you know, a really solid player at times for Duke. And, you know, if that's sort of the worst-case scenario for your starting point guard, you know, I don't think you're in bad shape. And, and and if you take a freshman, 
Um, you know, maybe that's that's not, you know, maybe that's ranked thirty fifth or or the sixth best point guard because you know, like I said, it's not great. You know, they might not have sort of that that freshman. They could struggle like a lot of freshmen do, and Thornton struggled, and he still put forth a pretty good year. And so I just think that with the year off, with the year of development, um, you know, add some weight, add a jump shot. Uh, I just think that the floor is is so much higher for him than any freshman you're going to get. Hey Jeff, we know that he is. Uh, it's one of four schools left for him, uh, and he's kind of taking visits around now. You have any sense of where he might be leaning, or where you get, or where you might have a guess as where he might end up? Well, I think the the, the school in best position would be USC. Um, I thought that you know as soon as he transferred, I assume that you know USC would get involved, and they did. And they got the first visit. Um, you know, as soon as, basically as soon as he came back home from Duke uh, for the summer, they got him on campus. So, uh, you know, I think that they're in a really good spot. You know, obviously Kansas and Washington and Miami are going to have their chance to make their, their pitches, but I think USC is in a good spot. It's a chance to come closer to home, uh, closer to L.A. Uh, you know, obviously he's, he's going to have a chance to play 35, 40 minutes right off the bat. Um, and I think he just likes sort of, the U, you know, USC system and style. And um, I just think sort of everything about USC really suits him well. You know, just as a reminder to uh, Kansas fans, that's at Jeff Borzello that you can name your uh, your hate at. <laughs> I know. I should, terrible, I, should, I, should have realized, I should have realized the audience and, and slide and said Kansas was my pick. But hey, you're you're in the uh, getting it right business, Jeff. So so I'm I'm, I'm happy. except when I'm wrong. I I'm, I guess my mentions will be filled up if I'm wrong. But but Jeff has probably as good a feel for this as as anybody out there because you know he knows the transfer market he he is he he is telling you when guys are transferring when it's happening he's he's the man for the, for the transfer so I I, uh, I respect his opinion on this probably probably more so than anybody else. Um, it's, kind of, it's my hair and transfers are the two things I have going for me. <laughs> but listen, if you're going to have two things going for you, I mean, that's probably two pretty good ones, you know? In that yeah, spirit that, shoot game, and how many pairs of Spearies do you have to go out on the recruiting uh, circuit this summer? I mean, how, how many new pairs are you buying? I'm actually trying to vary it up a little bit. Like, I'm trying to, you know, get a few Nike, some Vans, some Sperry's, just so I don't look – so it's not so bland. So just switch it up. Um, you know, I, I, when I went to Chicago for the McDonald's game and then the Final Four, I was gone for like six days. I brought six pairs of shoes. So I'm trying to, you know, just, you know, add some spice into the rotation. That's ridiculous. All right. Uh, you know, continuing with this, this transfer theme, um, the, the frequency of players that are transferring out regularly gets referred to as an epidemic. Do you think that's fair? Is it, is it really an epidemic? I mean, I don't, I don't really see it as an epidemic. To me, an epidemic is like super serious and and you know needs like dire, you know, changes. And I, you know, obviously, it's it's more public now. And I think you know people, you know, when you when you when I tweet out like you know in the day five guys are transferring and say, oh my god, who's not transferring? But you know, right now we're actually about two hundred. We're at about two hundred fewer names than last year uh, in terms of transfer. I think last year they were, we're up to about seven hundred something, and now we're at like five twenty five. Um, obviously it's a lot, but you know, I just think that the people are so sort of more aware of it now, um, that everyone sort of looks at it as, as, you know, a quote unquote epidemic or something that needs drastic changes. Um, but you know, you know, in, 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 for a regular college student, there's a ton of transfers as well. So I, I just think this is sort of, you know, just the nature of a, of a, you know, sort of a first year college student. Obviously there, there are some differences, you know, third year college kids don't always transfer or, and then the graduate transfer rules added some, 
you know, I guess a little more controversy to the to the transfer market. But I, I just think it it's sort of just the the nature of a college student is is that if he doesn't like it after a year, you know, whether you're a you know a regular you know biology major or a college basketball player, there's chances are you're going to transfer. And I just think the only reason that people are, are so much you know, take it so much more seriously now is that, you know, we're tweeting out or and writing stories about every transfer. And so it just seems like there's so many more kids uh, this year than last year. But in, in reality, it's not true. I, I think the thing that's really made this thing more public is what's happened lately with transfers is that schools like Kansas, you know, you don't normally see yeah. in other years the right. Delaware transfer or the, you know, the St. John's or whoever, like KU being on their radar when they're deciding to be a graduate transfer or, uh, but the, the fact of the matter is a lot of these one and done, these guys going to school early, Kansas is now, you know, getting into the business of trying to pick up these kids from the lower level. So it seems to me like it's become more of a national scale thing because it used to be these guys are transferred from school to school. Now the Kansas's, you know, Kentucky's, Duke's, USC's of the world are trying to get in on these guys because they have scholarships to fill. Right. I mean, you know, it, like you said, like five years ago, if the school was made up of, you know, had four or five transfers, they were sort of looked at as a, you know, like a renegade school taking these second chance kids mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. And and now, you know, you know, like you said, Duke's doing it, Kansas is doing it, Kentucky's getting transfers. You know, pretty much everyone is, is looking for a transfer, whether it's a grad transfer or a guy to sit out. You know, every school is doing it. And now there, there are schools with two or three, four transfers, and, and no one really bats an eye. Obviously, Iowa State under, you know, Fred Hoiberg, you know, had six or seven, and and it wasn't really an issue. Bruce Pearl's gotten eight transfers since he took over uh, in 2014. So, to me, it's just it's not a it's it's not you know limited to a certain number of schools anymore. Pretty much every every school and every coach um, has an interest in getting a transfer. What I think is really funny is is Greg McDermott, who Hoiberg takes um, over for. I don't think he really was bringing in any transfers at that time, and now Creighton is bringing in like all these dudes. And he's he's almost following the Hoiberg model after after the dude who, you know, essentially took his job. Yeah, I mean, you see, because you see, uh, you see Iowa State go to you know multiple tournaments and win twenty eight games every year, and, and teams say, hey, we could do the same thing. And obviously, you know, for some teams it hasn't worked out, but you know, there's a like, like like we were talking about with Thornton, just you you sort of know the floor for a lot of these guys, and you know you've seen what they can do at the college level, and sometimes. You know, a coach says, okay, well, he averaged 14 a game in the CAA, you know, so we're going to get a guy that can at least contribute as opposed to, hey, we might have to get this, you know, we're not so totally sold on this four-star prospect and, you know, maybe he could fill a role and play eight to ten minutes his freshman year. But, you know, a lot of these guys say, hey, you know, we've seen what this transfer can do. Uh, you know, we'd rather take a chance on him. And there's less of a stigma with, with these guys now too, don't you think? Right. I mean, don't you think at one point there was 100%, yeah. people were hesitant to take those guys? Yeah, and especially, I mean, look at the grad transfers. I mean, these are, these are guys that have, you know, aside from the Ivy League kids, they're guys that have transferred twice now. And, you know, five, ten years ago, if a team had taken a kid that transferred twice, you know, it would be like the end of the world. You know, like, what are you doing? Why are you taking this kid? What, what, what's sort of the baggage about him? What are you doing? And now there's, you know, you look at the grad transfer, you know, board, and there's 30, 40, 50, 60 kids that have, that have been multiple transfer guys, and, and no one really cares about that anymore. So, it's it's the whole stigma about oh you're taking a second chance a third chance kid that's all gone. Is is there any rule that that you would change as as regard to the the transfer? I mean the the grad transfer rule. Um, is is there anything that you would tra- change if if you were if if I put you in charge of the NCAA tomorrow? Is there anything that you would you would try to do to to help slow this down? Or do you well, I mean, 
some coaches will complain about the grad transfer rule, but A, it makes my job more exciting, so I, I want to keep it. <laughs> but also, I mean, to me, if, if a kid graduates um, his undergrad, there shouldn't be a rule that holds him back from going to a different school if he has another year of, year of eligibility left. I know you wouldn't do that to a regular college student. You, you know, if he got his degree, you wouldn't say, hey, you can't leave. You have to stay for your extra year, even though you already have a degree. And so I, I don't think it should change. And obviously, you know, mid-major and low-major coaches don't like it because their kids leave. Um, you know, their kids are more likely to leave in a high-major school. But, you know, I think the rule is, is fine the way it is. Um, you know, they got rid of the – I don't know if they completely got rid of the whole waiver for, you know, a sick parent. Um, I think that was abused a little bit more a couple of years ago. And, you know, I think they, I made, they at least made some adjustments to it because we don't really see it as prevalent now. Um, as it was a few years ago, but that was sort of the only thing I would have changed. I think the grad transfer rule is, um, you know, it might change, but I think it's it's sort of generally fine the way it is, and and you know, there's really no way to to, to limit, um, you know, the, the other 500 transfers. So, you know, I think everything's pretty much fine the way it is. Again, we're talking with Jeff Borzello of ESPN Recruiting Analyst. Jeff, I can't let you go without uh, getting a little bit more info about these KU recruiting guys and obviously the people the person that people want to talk about right now is Josh Jackson and so I wanted your impressions of him just from from watching him and being around him um what's your impression of Josh Jackson what kind of player is KU getting next year I think he's probably the most college ready player uh in the class I think he's going to be the guy that makes the biggest impact and I would probably peg him as that's sort of the early favorite for freshman of the year next year nationally just because He's, you know, he's somebody that's going to come in and he's going to contribute at both ends of the floor. You know, he's a, a lockdown defender. He's long. Uh, you know, he could score in transition. And to me, the thing that's most impressive about him is that, you know, his competitiveness and his leadership is sort of on a different level than pretty much everyone else in the class. And you can sort of see that in the you know, McDonald's All-American practices and things like that. You know, even though there were just, you know, sort of scrimmages and things like that, he was getting on teammates, uh, you know, for not getting back on defense and things like that. And he was getting frustrated when, uh, you know, they weren't scoring or they weren't getting stops. You know, he was the guy that, that was getting annoyed by it. And you don't really see that from a lot of, uh, you know, high school seniors, uh, you know, especially with the caliber. And they, you don't really see that competitiveness every game, every night out. And, you know, that translated, you know, into the high school games, the AAU, stuff like that. He just, you know, brought it consistently every game, every night. And you never really saw him take plays off, take halves off, anything like that. And that's crazy with this year's team, especially with Bill Self, you know, not known for its personality. I mean, getting that kind of guy in the fold probably will be a big thing for KU just because they've kind of been looking for the guy to take over. Devontae Graham did a little bit of it at the end of last year, but really they were a team, you know, Perry Ellis didn't have much, you know, gusto, if you will. Frank Mason didn't have that. So it seems like this could be kind of an interesting transition because Josh Jackson coming as a freshman might immediately step into kind of the personality of the team as well. Yeah, you don't really see freshmen, you know, become leaders right away, but, you know, that's just sort of in his, you know, in his nature and his personality. And, you know, he might not be, you know, maybe the most vocal guy on the court, but it's going to be hard to take that competitiveness and that leadership, you know, sort of streak out of him. Uh, real quick, I wanted to get to your impression on the other two guys that KU got. Uh, Udoka Azabuke hasn't signed yet, but obviously has committed. And then Mitch Lightfoot. Any impression of those two guys? I, you know, I think, uh, you know, Udoka, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, you know, what he tried, you know, it's going to be, to me, it's going to be interesting to see if he stays within his sort of limits at the college level. I mean, he's, for the past couple of years, he's tried to, you know, expand his offensive game and develop his Facebook game and things like that. And it's been, you know, sort of inconsistent. Um, to me, he's at his best when he's, you know, around the rim and rebounding and, and dunking and things like that. Um, cause he's, you know, he's huge. He's, you know, powerful body, really strong. 
when he tries to do things that, you know, maybe he's not as comfortable with, you know, it kind of looks awkward a little bit. And that's where he struggles when he's trying to take, you know, 13 footers and they're, you know, clanking off the back rim or falling short. It's just, to me, he's got to stay in the paint, um, you know, just, just focus on rebounding, defending, finishing at the rim. You know, to me, that's where he's at his best. And Mitch likes it to me. Um, you know, he, he played a lot, a lot more inside in college and, you know, he's only about six, seven ish. Um, you know, he's going to be a guy that, that's going to come in. He's tough. Um, he's a little more skilled than Udoka, um, which is going to help. But, but, you know, to me, both these guys are going to provide depth right off the bat. Um, you know, I don't see either of them starting 25 games as a freshman, but I think both of them are going to give them some good minutes, uh, you know, as the year progresses. And real quick, just looking ahead, because obviously that's, uh, you know, recruiting, always looking ahead, always keeping an eye to the future. 2017 and beyond with Kansas, uh, any, I guess, irons in the fire? What what do you see for KU moving forward with the recruiting classes? Well, the biggest storyline with Kansas is their pursuit of DeAndre Ayton. And Ayton is the number one kid in 2017. He sort of made some headlines in recent weeks. You know, he came out and said multiple times that Kansas was the only school recruiting him. And, you know, A, I'm not sure how true that is because he's also mentioned in the past month that, you know, Arizona and UCLA have, have shown interest. In I say it, 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 can't, said, it can't be true, right? I mean, it can't be. Yeah, I don't I don't totally buy it. Just because, you know, he said that Kentucky's been, you know, quote-unquote, mediocre with their interest, um, which, you know, whether they're that interested or not, they're, they're apparently they're showing some level of interest. Um, and as the number one kid, you're going to have a lot of schools on you. So I don't think that Kansas is really the only school in the mix for him, but there are a lot of questions surrounding him, um, you know, whether he'll play in college. He says he de- he definitely will. He won't, you know, play overseas or follow the Sun Maker model or anything like that. Uh, and so, you know, as as his recruitment progresses and people realize that he's going to play in college, if he's going to play in college, um, and, you know, whether he has NCA issues, that's a different story. But I think we're going to see a lot of schools recruit him. But Kansas has clearly has made an impact, or an impression at least, early on him, which is which is huge for, for the Jayhawks. And, uh, you know, Trey Young has been another, you know, prime target. Bill Self was watching him and teammate Michael Porter um, on the EYBL, the Nike circuit, the past few weeks. And those two have talked about a package deal a lot. Um, you know, we, we, we obviously hear about package deals early in the process um, now, and they don't always pan out. But, you know, Porter and Young have played, uh, you know, on the Nike circuit together a while. And, you know, they've talked about it. And Porter came out a couple of weeks ago and said, hey, you know, every school, you know, I talked to us, say, hey, I want to play college with, with Trey Young, and, and so you might have to take us as a package. And obviously, Trey Young is a five star point guard. He's terrific. Um, so I think those three, uh, Aiton, Porter, and Young, you know, are sort of, you know, high on the board. And, um, you know, if they get Aiton and Young, that's, you know, one, probably one of the two best point guards in the class and the best player in the class. So that's a, that's a heck of a start. But, you know, they, they really sort of they've put forth a lot of offers in the past few weeks. And, and the latest came on uh, Tuesday night. They offered Quad A Green, who's been. He's a point guard out of Philadelphia. He's playing for, uh, you know, New York-based PSA Cardinals. And, you know, he's been maybe the most impressive point guard on the circuit uh, in April. I, he was In the first session, he was averaging 10 assists a game. Um, he had, you know, a 14-point, 14-assist game. So he's been terrific, and, and his stock just keeps rising. You know, Duke's interested. Um, so there's a lot of schools in the mix for him, but can sort of jump in the mix. And, and they've, they've become interested in a lot of point guards. And, again, that's why we're, we're seeing them go after Derek Thornton so hard. They really need a point guard in two years and you know if they miss on Thor and they're gonna to have to get one of these point guards in twenty seventeen because you know the transfer market has really dried up uh the past couple of weeks. So, you know, they're gonna go after point guards, they're gonna to have to be Andre Ayton, uh, you know, the Trey Young, Michael Porter package deal could be a could be an option. So they have a lot of a lot of offers and interest in, in kids in twenty seventeen. 
Jeff Self said this year that, that you know, he wants to play two-point guards, start two-point guards going forward, that he's more comfortable with, with playing that way. Have, have you seen them make more, you know, point guard more of a priority? You said they're recruiting a lot of guys at that position. Do you think they're recruiting more guys at that position this year than maybe past years? Well, I think that that comes from a couple of things. You know, if if he does want to start two point guards, then obviously you're going to need you know more than just one or two on the roster. But uh, you know, the other part is, you know, the 2017 we've seen over the past couple of weeks, we've seen sort of a race, sort of an arms race for point guard, just because there's not a lot of great ones. The depth isn't great, um, and after the top, you know, five, six, or seven, it sort of falls off a little bit. And so we're seeing Duke and Kentucky and Kansas offer pretty much every every top five, top seven point guard, just because there's not too many and you know, they, they want to get that one, get at least one out of the way early, um, or at least, you know, get heavily involved early so they can get one just because if they don't get, you know, one of their top three or four point guard targets, there's just not, there's not a lot out there. There's not, um, you know, we're going to see probably next spring around this time teams scrambling for point guards. There's not going to be a lot, a lot left. So, you know, we're seeing the big powerhouse schools really have a race for point guards in 2017. Cool. Um, last last thing I want to ask you, and then, then we'll get you out of here. Um, going back to the transfers thing, you know, Brian Snow tweeted out something interesting I thought the other day. He said, if you really want to get rid of the transfer epidemic, again, you know, he put that in quotes because I think he also believes <laughs> it's not an epidemic, but get rid of the spring signing period. It's when a majority of mistakes are made. You, you look to KU, and, you know, I think a couple of their guys in, in recent past, Merv Lindsay. Uh, Rio Adams, those were, were spring guys who were just kind of like, oh, crap, we still have a scholarship. We better go nab somebody. Do you think that happens a lot, and, and do you think that is, is part of the quote-unquote problem? I think so. There's one one thing I want to add about the, the quote-unquote transfer epidemic, and, and you mentioned Brian Snow made me think of it, because guess he's talked about this with Spike Albrecht uh, you know, the past couple of weeks, is, is people always blame the kids and the, the need for you know instant gratification and and stuff like that is the main reason for transfers. But a lot of people don't really ever put the blame on coaches because there, a lot of these kids are just, they're A, they're not sort of getting the, the playing time they were, you know, sort of promised during the recruiting process. And, and in a lot of these cases, these kids are being pushed out, um, you know, to, to make room for, for another point. You're not saying that Derek Thornton was pushed out by Duke, that, you know, that rumor was going out and going around when he transferred. But, um, you know, some of these kids are saying, you know, the coaches going in and say, hey, we're bringing in, uh, you know, two guys are your position next year. Uh, they're probably going to be playing 20, 25 minutes each. You, you know, you're only going to be getting three or five minutes next year. And so, you know, the kid can read between the lines and say, okay, well, I guess you know, I might as well leave. And so, you know, a lot of in a lot of these cases, people don't realize the the role that coaches play in it. But you know, back to the spring signing period, it's going to be hard to get rid of it just because the early signing period is you know, kind of six months ago, and um, you know, kids need a need a spot to sign their letter of intent. But there are the the, the fact with the spring signing period is that coaches get so desperate and kids that weren't being recruited at the high major level or weren't being recruited at, you know, the Kansas level, you know, they, those schools sort of look around and say, oh, I need a shooting guard for next year. And if they can't get a transfer, they're looking at the high school market. And, and you know, obviously aside from the Jared Allens and Marcus Boldens and, and guys like that, there's not a ton of 2016 kids still still around. And so you're seeing kids that may be decommitted from a mid-major school and suddenly high major schools are getting in the mix. And, you know, in a lot of these cases, in most of these cases, these kids, where they committed first, that's sort of indicative of the level they're at. Um, you know, obviously some kids improve over their senior year and, and blow up and things like that. But in most cases, if a kid commits to, 
you know, Valparaiso, I'm just using that as an example, they're probably a mid-major player. And so if a kid decommits from there, you know, we really shouldn't be seeing, you know, Arkansas and, and Missouri and Ole Miss, you know, go after these kids. It's it's sort of a, a situation where they say, oh, we need a player, let's get him. Hopefully he can come in and, and be a, you know, a depth option or a worst-case option for us. And, you know, obviously after a year, both sides sort of see the player sees, okay, I'm not going to get any minutes here. The school sees, well, he wasn't good enough for us. And, and obviously the kid's going to leave. And so, we see, we you know, we see that year after year, and you could, I, mean, I could probably look up, you know, the past, you know, forty kids that have signed with a high major school in the spring signing period, and I'm guessing a lot of them have already left or are averaging one point a game at their high major school, just because that's, you know, schools get desperate and say, oh my god, I need a shooting guard, who's still left, and they, they go after whoever they can. You know, I'm, I'm getting calls and, and texts from coaches saying. Hey, are there any big men left in, in 2016? And I'm like, you know, well, there's this kid he decommitted from 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 so and so, and like, oh, you know, I need his contact info. And it's like, well, the kid can't play for you, but you know, sure, go ahead. And so mm-hmm. this happens, this happens, you know, across the country at every position, and yeah. and every, you know, so it's it's that's that's sort of the biggest part or the biggest issue with the spring signing period is that it ends up with schools getting desperate and taking kids that aren't at their level. And if you're advising these kids, you want to tell them, hey. Stick with the guys who, who who paid attention to you first, who who you know who, right. who made the offers early, and 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 not well, yeah, and that's, that that's for, the other part is that you know a kid sees sees uh you know a, a Kansas or or a you know Texas coming to mix late, and they're like, oh, I can play at Kansas, I can play at Texas, that's going to look awesome, you know, on Twitter and Instagram and stuff like that, and so they sort of take just the highest offer they can get, and you know, so obviously it's not just blame the coaches if the players are trying to just get you know get at the highest level and their coaches their AU or high school coaches are saying hey you know if I could have a, play, a kid that goes place for Kansas that's gonna be great for my program and so it's just there's sort of you know every side to it um you know it, it lends itself to, to mistakes late in the late in the signing period cool well Jeff we really uh appreciate the time man that was awesome insight and uh thanks for coming on yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Jeff, real quick, where can people read your stuff and uh, where can they find you online? Uh, my Twitter is Jeff Borzello, it's J-E-F-F-B-O-R-Z-E-L-L-O, and then you know, everything I write on ESPN.com, whether it's breaking news or a column, and, and everything I tweet out from that account. So you can find me there. Sounds good. Hey, thanks, Jeff. We appreciate it. No problem. Thanks. Thanks again to Jeff Borzello of ESPN.com for joining us in our interview. As a postscript, I did want to mention, CJ was right earlier. Uh, Elijah Johnson, in fact, was not a McDonald's All-American. He was the top-rated point guard in his class, but he was not on the McDonald's All-American team. Good memory by him. My fault for me. Again, you're checking out the Sportsbeat KC podcast. For CJ Moore, you can find him at CJ Moore BR on Twitter and Jesse Newell at Jesse Newell on Twitter. We're going to sign off for this episode. Be sure to check out all our KU coverage at KansasCity.com.